2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to teach a topical message tonight that I know will be useful, will be helpful. It's been a while since I taught on this subject. Um, it's high time to teach on it again. And I just want you to have this in your toolbox. I believe uh, every church ought to have a few of these messages in the bookstore that when people say, do you got, you got anything on? You can say, oh yeah, we, we, we got something, just a thing on that. And uh, I've taught on it enough down through the years, but uh, I'm going to give you a refreshers course tonight, uh, but then also empower you because I know it will be an in-season word. Amen? So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight, and let's start at verse number 3 uh, uh, for context. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, what do we walk in? The flesh. Amen. You live in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, and who is the hour that he's dealing with tonight? Christians. The weapons of our warfare, the weapons of Christians' warfare are not carnal. Similar word is flesh. They're not carnal, but mighty in God. Pin on your translation, mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. For the weapons of our warfare, verse number four, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, mighty through God. Though we live in the flesh, we don't fight with the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Don't forget casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God. Tonight, I want to talk from the thought, weapons of warfare. That's what I want to deal with tonight. Weapons of warfare. Amen. Is that not good news? Anybody ready to be tooled with some weapons tonight? I believe I got some that you may not have thought about that's going to bless you, and particularly when we get to the points. But I want to talk about weapons of warfare. Now, the first thing to point out uh, as we start this lesson tonight is that we, we just got to determine uh, first of all, what our weapons are not. <laughs> Before you learn what your weapons are, <laughs> it's, it's really important to just clarify in the beginning of this lesson, in my introduction, what our weapons are not. Fundamentally speaking, if you're writing, our weapons are not carnal methods. They're not weapons after the flesh. The Bible says it so clearly. He says, though we walk, Paul is talking, verse 3, in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Then he further enunciates in verse 4, he says, for the weapons of our warfare, amen, are not carnal. So let's just first start off with what they are not. Well, you'd have to then begin to break down what is carnality. <laughs> if our weapons are not carnal, if I'm a Christian, the first thing I want to do is foundationally break down what is carnality because I don't want to fight that way. Amen. If he says my weapons are not carnal, I want to be cautious to not fight that way because there must be some temptation to fight that way. 
If he tells me that that's not where my weaponry is, is anybody with me? There's going to be some temptation to fight in the domain by which my weaponry is not in that domain. And how many of you know if I fight in a domain by which I don't have weaponry, there's a strong chance I'm going to lose? How many of you know one of the worst things you can do is go to fight a person at their house? You just missed something. I mean, that's one of the worst things you can do is say, I'll be right over. Bad move. Bad move. Good to see you, Pastor. Bad move. Good to have you. Y'all thank God for my pastor from India tonight. Amen. Thank God for him. Amen. But bad, bad move. Amen. To go over there because the truth is they know where all the knives are. Come on, somebody. They know where the positions of the chairs are. Amen. And for God's sake, they know where the gun is. Amen. And you'd be a complete dodo to show up on their doorstep and ring the doorbell with an awe against them. How many of y'all know you probably won't get in the house? Amen. Right? So if you, 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 you really start foundationally with the fact that you don't want to fight on a carnal turf, i.e. you don't want to fight on the enemy's turf, let's figure out what carnality is. The Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. So then carnality is a mindset if you're writing. It's a mindset. Yeah, carnality foundationally is a mindset. It's enmity against God. It won't receive the things of God. It's a way of thinking. Carnality is a mindset. Obviously, carnality or flesh is flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh. So we can't box the devil. <laughs> you can't swing on the devil. All right? But most importantly tonight, your weapons are not emotional. That is the key element of tonight's teaching when it comes to what you should not fight with. So many believers, I've seen it to a fault in my Christian uh, context of coming up in this thing, y'all. So many believers have lost because at a point in believing God to do something, they got emotional. And if Satan can get you emotional, he can whip you from pillar to post. If he can get you emotional, he can throw off everything that God has promised you, everything that God was going to do because he got you in your emotions. How are you going to get you in your emotions? Through one thing. There's only one major tool Satan has. Don't ever forget this. He has one significant tool. I didn't say he didn't have other tools, but his most primary, I'm trying to find the right word, eminent, strongest tool, if you want to give him any strength, is conversation. That's it. I can take you to scripture. I don't have time to go through all of them tonight, but how did he beat Adam and Eve? Conversation. <laughs> and you're going to see where that came from later on tonight. He beat them through conversation. He did not beat them with a knife. He didn't beat him with a gun. He, he didn't beat him with a bunch of other trickery type things. He engaged them in a conversation about what? What God said. That's it. And he got Eve to be an emotional. Eve got Adam to be emotional. And before you know it, they both made an emotional decision. Come on, somebody. So what is Satan going to find you with? Carnality. He wants you to get in the flesh. Somebody get in the flesh, Pastor Gould tells a story about one of his relatives um, who got in the flesh one day years ago, I believe a cousin of his, and um, 
he was dealing with a boss. I guess the boss was being mean to him, being harsh to him, uh, and he just couldn't take it anymore. So he bought up his fist and socked him. <laughs> Amen. He hit the man. Right. Well, he says his cousin had, hadn't had a legitimate job in 30 years because of the background check. All those, so now he's got to do odd jobs like painting houses and, you know what I'm saying, all the under-the-table type stuff to get paid because you can't, you know, get a fundamental W-2 position somewhere. Well, how did Satan beat him, y'all? He got him to be carnal. He got him to be carnal. And we're not going to deal with fist fights tonight, but really understand that. He's got to get in your emotions. If he can get in your emotions, you will make an anti-God decision. You will get erratic. He get in your emotions. You'll go get a loan that he didn't tell you to get. And notice that all the things he ends up having you to go do, they become concomitant. They stack up. So now you get in debt that you don't need, right? Now you can't pay the light bill. Come on, somebody. Now your wife don't feel like being with you because after all, nobody wants to be intimate when the lights are off, not because the switch is down. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on. No one's interested in that. No, the light's off because we can't turn them on. And you talking about some, you better go to sleep and leave me alone. Come on, somebody. Well, I feel like all of that. Come on. And we don't got no hot water. Y'all ain't saying nothing tonight. So then that rolls over into your marriage and you got strife in your marriage and all, all those things lead to other things. Then you're under all that stress. Before you know it, stress manifests itself in a form of sickness and disease. Amen. And all of that stems from an emotional decision because Satan got you to disobey what God said. His chief weapon is conversation. Somebody was stressed out yesterday because the world said it was Halloween. <laughs> I mean, all day long, they were just hoping that the day would come to an end. You know, they're nervous you wouldn't turn your lights on in the living room because you didn't want anyone to think you were home and you don't feel like the kid's not, you know, well, they're going to ring the doorbell, though. And we, you know, we don't want to act like we don't have any candy and all. You know, you're conforming to the world. You know, you're just conforming to the world instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, I've never turned my lights off on Halloween. Amen. The doorbell rings and we keep watching TV. What do you do for a witchcraft holiday? Nothing. You know, what do you do on Ramadan? I do nothing on Ramadan. I don't fast during Ramadan. I don't participate in Ramadan. Are y'all in here? I'm not Muslim. I just, I don't participate. I don't even know when Ramadan is, if I can be honest. I've lost track of it. All right, last time I knew was where it was because, I, I, you know, it was a person I bumped into that said, oh, Ramadan starts today. Oh, great, okay, wonderful. As far as I'm concerned, this is the day the Lord has made. Somebody didn't get promotion on the 31st because they were so tied down in worldly thinking instead of being locked in in the fact that this is the Lord's day. So how does Satan get people through conversation? Well, how does he get conversation down in you? Through fearful events, through the media, through all kinds of things. And y'all, we never hit by surprise. If you were in 730 class last Sunday, it's amazing even the events that happened in our own city this week, how we were just so ahead of it. 
we had forecasted what to do in disasters. And, and that stuff breaks my heart. Even some of the school shootings and things I heard about, it breaks my heart. But if you've been going to this church the last two months, one of the outreaches you've heard me talk about is school outreach. Right. <laughs> Are y'all in here? Y'all, we're not hit by surprise. Right. The enemy doesn't shock us. He doesn't surprise us. When, when Margaret O'Hara got prayer out of the schools years ago, what do you think is going to happen next? And I say that with so much compassion for those who may be streaming. But what do you think goes with that? Are you in here, church? But why do I bring those kinds of things up? Because you cannot sit, be it those stories or other stories, and gaze in the news and just take all, I mean, just take all kinds of bad news in all day long and assume that in your emotions you're not going to become feeble-minded. Because the enemy needs to plant information to get you nervous about life instead of you being able to enjoy your life. I'm telling you right now, if most people would cut CNN off and all these other news uh, outlets and just really, you know, made up in their mind that they were going to listen to four podcasts today and just build faith, build faith, build faith, man, you'd be moving mountains left and right. But as a man think is in his heart, so is he, come on, so goes he, so he ends up. He's nervous. He's bent out of shape, amen, because the enemy has to get in your emotions. He got in Adam's emotions, he got in Eve's emotions, and they made an erratic decision. So first things first, our weapons are not mental. They're not emotional. They're not mindsets. And for God's sake, they are not our fists. Our weapons are spiritual, and that's when they become mighty through God. Somebody say, stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. We walk by faith and not by sight. As long as I stay in the spirit, I'm mighty in God. Once I start getting in sight, I lose. If I stay in the spirit, you stay in the spirit, you believe in God to uh, shrink a tumor, don't shrink it, dissolve it, get rid of it. Come on, somebody. As long as you stay in the spirit, amen, the tumor will continue to shrink. You start to looking at that tumor and, and, and looking at how the doctor says it's getting worse and going for your follow-up visits and the news says that, you know, it's not looking any better. The, the levels are elevated. We just ran a blood test. You start looking at the, 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 the facts instead of focusing on the truth. And the truth is, by his stripes, you were healed. Everybody say past tense. So I'm not studying what the results say. Long as I stay in the spirit, the tumor's got to go. If I stay in the spirit, the marriage can mend. If I stay in the spirit, come on, somebody, I can get the job. Satan wants you to start looking at all kinds of, well, you know, they're interviewing other people. They hadn't chosen you yet. Well, it don't matter if they're interviewing other people. It don't matter if they give somebody an offer letter. Come on, somebody. If God says the job is yours and you stay in faith, how many of y'all know there are a whole lot of variables that can come into play once they accept your job? I.e., God give them a better job so they can move out of your slot so you can get in what God was giving you. Among so many other things that could occur, like them accepting the job and then deciding they don't want it after all. I wish I had a witness in church on a Thursday night. We don't look at what we see. We walk by faith and not by sight, because once we start looking at what we see, what we can see is carnal. This cup is touchable, carnal. 
Amen. This cup is not eternal. It's temporal. I use it long enough. The rubber's going to wear out on it, all kinds of things. It will no longer keep my tea hot. This will not be any good. Come on, somebody, 10 years from now, because it is temporal. It's touchable today. It's useful today. But come on, I'm not driven by what I can touch, see, and feel. That was Thomas's problem. Come on, we're building faith tonight. He had to see the nail prints. He had to put his fingers in them. He had to do all these kinds of other things. And in order to really engage in the battle, by the way, that we've already won. I said we already won, church. I'm talking about a fixed fight tonight. Anybody in that fixed fight I'm talking about? Somebody shout, I'm not going to do anything. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph, which means I don't have to triumph. I just have to walk in my triumph. Anybody in here tonight? Anybody still fighting a good fight of faith? Come on, somebody. Anybody still in faith tonight? I'm in faith right now. I believe I receive right now. I'm staying in the spirit. I'm not getting in my emotions. You can't get in your emotions. All right, so let's walk through this and let's deal with spiritual warfare tonight because spiritual warfare is critical to your faith staying where it is. So the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. Somebody say they're spiritual and they're mighty in God or mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds, things that are inhibiting you, things that are stopping you, things that are in your way, things that are putting bondage on your next level of blessing and favor. Well, the, the, the weapons of our warfare are able to pull those down. And then where then is the war waged? You know this, so we're not going to all these places tonight. The war is waged in the heavenlies. Ephesians 6 and, 10, uh, and 12, you put it in your notes. Amen. Spiritual wickedness where? In heavenly places. Rules of darkness of this age. Powers, principalities. Amen. That's who we wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Ephesians 6 and 12. I continue to say this. I've been saying it for, more, for years, but please understand that the spiritual realm is more real, real than the natural. That's why Elijah had to pray for his servant, Lord, open up his eyes that he might see. Some of you need to understand that principle. If, if those things that have seemed to have been locked down, if you could see the, the, the spiritual turmoil that is going on right now as it pertains to what you're trying to possess in Jesus' name, you would get a strong revelation of what your victory looks like. Because after God opened up the young man's eyes that he could see, the next words they said was, there are more that be with us than be against us. Y'all, that's important. Don't get lost in the demonic. Don't get lost in the world of darkness. Darkness who? There are more that be with us than against us on any given day. We have authority. <laughs> Did you hear me? I'm going to teach a revelation of angels. I may do that real soon because this will bless you real good. Y'all, one angel in scripture killed tens of thousands of people in the Old Testament. Y'all, the angel that landed when Jesus rose from the dead, understand when that angel landed, read the Bible, it caused an earthquake. One. Y'all going to get this later on. I said one. And you got chariots of fire? Do you realize that's more firepower than you need? Oh, I wish I had a witness in here tonight. People wonder why I'm so confident, Wendy, because on any given day, I got more firepower than I need. And we hadn't even gotten into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We just talking about angels right now. 
Are you in here, church? I'm just dealing with A. I ain't even talking about the, the real power. I'm talking about the messengers. Chariots of fire, man, they got swords. <laughs> Hallelujah. If Michael was commissioned to wrestle Satan, you're missing it. No, that was an angel wrestling the chief prince. That's the equivalent of God saying, I'm just going to send my boy. Because it's not fair if we, man, go on down there and beat him up. You know, because if I step in there. And we know that's true because if you read Revelations 19 through 21 through the power of his mouth, he's going to cast him into the lake of fire. No, when Jesus comes back riding on that horse, it ain't going to be like he and the devil are going blow for blow. All right, you hit me and I hit you back. Like some of that stuff y'all see in apocalypse movies and all that kind of good stuff, like Satan got a blow in. Y'all, that stuff ended at Calvary. Ain't no more fights. It's just judgment. Go where you belong, buddy. You don't have any authority. Come on, somebody. And greater is he that is in us. I feel my help coming now. Than he that is in the world. You got great power. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. I got the victory. Amen. I feel faith rising now. You win. And these works will you do and greater because I go to the, to the Father. So I'm giving you the same power I had. Same power he had? Good God. You know how much authority that is? You know, when I quote preachers, I always give them credit. But I love something uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland says it so well. He says, believers need to become more God inside minded. That's powerful. Just to be aware of how much authority is in you, how much power, more God inside minded, that you can speak to a mountain and it'll go. If you were in Burlington last week, you learned over in Zechariah 4, that ain't the first time folk will speak in the mountains. You can make a mountain a valley by talking to it. You speak to a mountain, it's got to move. You call in the job and it's your God-ordained job, it's coming in. And I'm going to give you an easy one to fix. You get sickness or disease on your body, you don't need to pray if it be thy will. You don't got to figure out his will. The only time you pray if it be thy will, just, is just for free, is when you're praying a prayer of consecration. That's what Jesus did in Gethsemane. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I consecrate myself. I dedicate myself to your inverdict in this. Why? Because I don't know the best outcome. So, Father, I believe I received my new job. This is an easy example. I can tell you're learning. I just don't know if it's Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Both of them are making me offers. I've applied to both of them. Now, Father, I thank you for making your will clear, and I dedicate myself to the one that is absolutely best for me according to your plan. I want to work at the company you want me to work at because to this point, I'm not exactly sure where that is. Then you give yourself to a few days of prayer, and you get wisdom on where it is, and you start praying his will. But you pray if it be thy will when you're figuring something out. But you don't pray if it be thy will as it pertains to your health, your wealth, or your emotional well-being. Because it is always God's will. Well, let me give you scripture to back it up. It is my will that you prosper and be in what? And health, even as your, oh, there's the key. Your soul has to start prospering. 
Your emotions, your will, your intellect, your soul has to start prospering. But if you keep taking junk in, your soul is not prospering. Come on, somebody. Good to see a good crowd in Bible study. You keep missing church. You know, Jesse Planets nailed it. He said every time you miss church, you miss money. You miss faith. You would have got more money if you were in church. You miss healing when you miss church. Come on, somebody. Because faith increases as you go to church. Sometimes when I know God's going to heal somebody, or rather he's already healed somebody, and we need to build their faith up, one of the things I'll tell them, and it's, it's always under the guidance of the Spirit of God, I'll say, first, let me preach to you. I said, let me preach to you first. Because if we position your faith to receive from God, you getting your healing is going to come easy. So let's not just pray a dry prayer. Let's go ahead and build your faith up. See, by the time the one with the issue of blood got healed, her faith was, she was boiling over. <laughs> She's ready. By the time Bartimaeus got healed, y'all, <laughs> he making noise. He ready. Now, I'm going to get healed today. <laughs> People told him to hush up. He cried out even more. Amen. Faith is bubbling over. I'm not studying being embarrassed. Yeah, that's when you know you're in faith. I, ain't, I don't care who's looking at me. I can't even see y'all looking at me, so I could care less. I'm going to get my eyesight. Come on, somebody. So from sometimes you got to get faith built up. Well, if your soul is going to prosper so that faith prospers, by the way, that's where faith is birthed in the heart, in the soul. Amen. It's actually birthed in your spirit, but then it infuses over into the heart, the lab, the soul. And then it comes up and you start to really, really believe in God and silencing your emotions that are against the will of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Come on, somebody. You're going to start manifesting some things. Because you know you got on any given day angels. You got favor. By the way, anybody in here sowed some seeds lately? I think I'm preaching to the right people. Amen. Seeds produce harvest. Come on, it's spiritual. Amen. So the more spiritually minded we become, the more apt we are to win the battle. Is that okay, church? The more spiritually minded we become, the more apt we are to win the battle. So write this down. Before you go into the battle, be mindful to enter it from a victorious place. Don't go into the battle. Is that okay, mom? As if you got to fight from a we need to win this place. Go into the battle as if you are fighting from a victorious place because you are. We don't have time to go to all these scriptures because I want to get into the meat of my message. But 2 Chronicles 20 and 15, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the va this vast army, in other words, don't look at the army. Don't look at the people. Don't look at all the hard places. For the battle is not yours but God. Second Corinthians 20 and 15. The battle is not yours, but God. Well, if the battle is God, can you please give me a scripture where God lost? <laughs> can you find one? Anybody got one? Because I'll stop teaching right now. In fact, I quit <laughs> if God lost. This is my last night. I don't want to be preaching stuff that ain't right. I mean, if I was, you know, in the Buddhist temple or something, I'd quit fast. Muslim, I, I would have quit years ago. I'd be like, man, this is a false god. What in the world are we doing? House of Prayer, Daddy Grace, Father Divine, you know, they start walking on them wood placards on the water and stuff. I'd have quit right then. That would have been it for me. Some people still go to them kind of places. I, 
I'd have quit. I would stop giving my money. I'd have done all that. I would have quit. I'd have quit those churches. I'd stayed home on Sunday before I went there. If you're watching, you should quit. If I was a Hebrew Israelite, I'd quit. Because it don't make any sense. I'd just quit it. I'd just stop it. You know, I'd get tired of looking ignorant. Telling folk that Israel belongs to us. Well, if it's yours, go recover it. What you waiting on? Jerusalem is yours. Go get it. I mean, we got all these fusses and fights over things. Why we got debates? Go claim your land, Mr. Hebrew. Go get it. Amen. That's my apologetic moment for the night. So I ever lost you or gained you on that one. If I lost you, I didn't have you anyway. So before you go into the battle, enter it from a victorious place. Amen. Now go to Luke 10, 17 through 19. Now we're going to get into some good Bible, Bible um, learning and literacy. Because, see, you need to know something, and this will give you more authority. If, if you know your posture or you know really Lucifer, Satan, all those kinds of things, and we're not teaching this stuff to get you all off kilter, you shouldn't be. This is going to give you more authority. And I really want you to understand this. This is Jesus having sent out, I believe, the 70. And uh, Luke 10, 17, the Bible says, then the 70 returned how? With joy. How did the 70 return? What should we have, church? Joy. When sh how, how often should we have joy? All the time. Because we triumph how often? All the time. Is it ever right for a believer to not have joy? No. Now, I know I can get some pushback on that because people could say, what about this? What about that? But the Bible even says the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, one of the major components of the nine divisions is joy. So when, how often should I have joy? All the time. They're never anxious. You're never upset, concerned, downtrodden, figuring it out. You know, there are only some mild exceptions by which a person's joy might be slightly suppressed. Not joy, actually their happiness is slightly suppressed. Something as simple as losing a close loved one. Well, that's why the Bible says weep with those who weep. Because there is a time for weeping, but their joy is still there. They're not happy in that moment, but their joy hasn't gone anywhere. Are you in here, church? So we always have joy, right? So the, 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 the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the what? Demons are what? What are the demons to us, church? Subject. You know what it means to be in subjection? Under my authority. The demons are subject to us. Now, we know the context of this verse momentarily because Jesus ultimately told them, don't get too excited about that. Be more excited about your name you know, being written on the road that you're going to heaven, right? How many of y'all know that's the main thing? But it still does not discount the fact that the demons were what, church? Subject, and y'all, none of this changed. They've been subject, and they still are. <laughs> what are we talking about tonight? The weapons of our warfare. Can we get in this thing? I said they've been subject, and they still are. So will you walk in your authority? Amen. They're subject to us, but how are they subject to us? In your name. So we don't talk to demons without the what? Name of Jesus. We start with the name of Jesus. We finish with the name of Jesus. 
Amen. We use the tool of the name of Jesus. We'll get there momentarily. Are you enjoying yourself tonight? Now, this is where it all came from. And he said to them, he is Jesus. I saw Satan fall, good God Almighty, like lightning from heaven. You know, he's trying to tell him, man, I wore him out years ago. See, Jesus saw it happen. Jesus is in the flesh now, but he was there when Satan fell from heaven like lightning. Notice Lucifer did not fall from heaven like lightning. He had already changed his name. Satan fell. How many of y'all know when you get off of God's tab, he'll fire you? <laughs> Amen. I saw Satan fall from heaven. Somebody say a quick fall. I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Keep reading. Behold, I give you the authority to do what? Trample on serpents and scorpions. And over how much of the power of the enemy? So what if it's a witch with a lot of makeup on and a black hat? What if, what if it's somebody who got the spirit of Jezebel? What if it's somebody who got the spirit of Delilah? What if somebody slivers all the way down the aisle like a snake because they're so possessed? I give you power. I give you power over all power of the enemy. Authority, rather, over all power. Now, you must know the difference. Authority is commission say-so. Power is ability. The enemy has power to harm you if you don't operate in your commission say-so, in your authority. You got to stop them. Amen. Come on, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You will not run through this. I, no, no, I, I bind that spirit of anxiety. Come on, somebody. Oh, I bind that cough. Mm -mm, I take authority over it in Jesus' name. I bind it. God taught one of my kids a kingdom lesson not long ago. I won't use which gender because I'll try not to embarrass my kids. But one of them woke up in the morning and said, I'd rather be sick than go to school. And uh, I said, okay. I said, all right. You realize what you just said, right? Yeah, I, okay, no worries. I said, okay. I thought you heard your dad teach how powerful words are. My, my wife heard it too, all that kind of good stuff. We said, no problem. How about they went to school over the next two days? Within a couple of days, couldn't stop coughing. Couldn't stop it. God taught them the lesson of the power of words and the authority that you can give away. Now, you got to cough. And I mean, you're the only one coughing. Now it has subsided, subsided as of late, you know. But the truth is, the guy, that was like, hey, you can't be just saying any old thing. And we do the same thing if you go to your job. I just, you know what, I, Lord, this thing is killing me, okay? This is driving me, okay. What's it driving you to? What are you giving authorization to? Because you have authority. Authorization is simply root word by authority. That's what authorization is. It's authority. Amen. Sweet lady is here tonight who the Lord spoke to about sleeping well through the night. How about we got a message from her the next day that she has slept 10 hours. This was last Sunday. Well, she took authority. She believed the word. She established. She believed the prophet. And she prospered. And then she decreed it. And she said, tonight, I will sleep. And she did. You have authority. 
Is that okay, church? Amen. Who am I to have troubled sleep? I got authority over demons that interrupt sleep. Did you know there were sleep demons? In the world of psychology, they call it night terror disorder. Person that constantly has horrific dreams and those kinds of things, waking up in sweats. And come on, somebody. That's not of God. We take authority of that. And there's a name that is above every name. How many of you know the name of Jesus is above every name in the DSM? The diagnostic manual. The name of, I said the name of Jesus is above every name. Mm-hmm. It's above bipolar. Mm-hmm. Schizophrenia, you name it. The name of Jesus is, there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I give you a power, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. I saw Satan fall like what, though? So if nothing by any means shall hurt me, what am I doing being hurt? <laughs> I'll not be hurt by anything. Can we take our time and walk through Scripture tonight? Now, you ready for some Bible history? I told you, you got to know Satan's verdict before you start the fight. You got to know in the beginning. It is so clear that even Satan is aware, y'all, of his end verdict. And it's critical for you and I to know the same whenever we're believing God to do something. I know Satan's end verdict is he cannot hold up my promotion. He can try to hinder. How many of y'all know in the days of Paul, he buffeted him. He can try to hinder, but he can't stop. It. He tried to hinder with Daniel. How many days? 21. Daniel chapter 10. Spirit of Persia. That was one of Satan's imps, hindering the vision, hindering what God wanted to do. But what happened? He ultimately lost because an angel came. God's got angels on assignment for us tonight, Ross. He does, Rosalind, he does. He does. I don't know why I just looked at you on that. He's got angels on assignment. We got to believe we receive what God has done. And know that the enemy's verdict is already you lose. Now, don't go through this Bible study with your eyes open asleep, though. Because the very thing I'm teaching you tonight is what the enemy is trying you on. And he wants to lure you to a place of, yeah, 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 I get that. But y'all understand, sometimes you need to be refreshed in your technique so you can then leave and apply what you think you already know. Amen. Notice I said what you think you already know. Amen. Come on, let's get in this thing. I saw Satan fall like what? Well, let's see what, what, what really, really happened. Can we look at how it really went down? Go to Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. You're going to enjoy this. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Go through it by faith now. Come on. You believe in God? He's doing it. So let's get the weaponry tonight. Somehow I'll break through tonight. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Family, can we lose uh, on the soundboard, please, uh, NLT on this one? And let's go 11 through 17. Can we take our time, church? I'm going to give you some points if time permits. But um, Ezekiel is prophesying to the king of Tyre. Now, Tyre was a wicked land. All kinds of murder and all kinds of immorality is going on. So Ezekiel begins to prophesy to this king. But when you read the Bible, you must always be aware of uh, a, a revelation and sometimes dual messages that's coming out of Scripture. OK, because in this message is as if God begins to tell the story of Satan. He begins to prophesy to Satan at the same time. 
And it would make sense because the spirit that's using the king of Tyree would be none other than a wicked spirit. So God begins to remind him through his prophet Ezekiel of what really occurred and what he can expect. And at the same time, he brings the king of Tyree under judgment. Is that okay? So let's look at it. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Then this further message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, sing this funeral song to the king of Tyree. Oh, my God. Sing this funeral song. Go let him know about his death. <laughs> you ought to sing a funeral song to the devil. You want to know what it sounds like? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I have the victory. Satan, you got to flee. Tell me who can. You know, that's basically saying you lose. That No, that song you're singing to the devil, y'all. Look at who you're singing to. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Well, go sing this funeral song to the devil. Can we walk through scripture? <laughs> Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, we know he couldn't just be talking to the king of Tyree because the king of Tyree wasn't in Eden. You, devil, were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing, he tells them how he looked as an angel. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelia, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green burl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis luzili, turquoise, and emerald of all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. How many of y'all know he was a gorgeous angel? They were given to you the day you were created. And what'd you do for him, God? Man, I blessed you. Verse 14, I ordained and anointed you as, my, as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access. How many of y'all know dishonor shuts down your access? You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. Verse 15, you were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Until the day what, church? Evil was found in you. Somebody shout, I will not allow evil to be found in me. That's all about heart management right there. Verse 16, your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So what'd you do, God? So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you. Sound like lean on me. You've been expurgated. <laughs> I expelled you, O mighty garden, guardian, from your place amongst the stones of fire. I'm almost done. Why? Your heart was filled with pride. Because you thought you was all that. Because of all your beauty. Anybody was here on Sunday when I reminded you that God doesn't need me? I just thought I'd throw that out there again. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. You just wanted the riches. You wanted status. You got arrogant. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. I let people look at you fall. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade, so I brought fire out from within you, and it consumed you. 
I reduced you, here's your funeral, to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. He goes from Eden to heaven, come on somebody, to his prophetic doom and revelation. Ezekiel is a powerful man. Verse 19, all who knew you were appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end and you will what church? You will exist no more. What is Satan's end verdict, church? He will exist no more. Is that not good news for you? I said it out of order. He went from heaven to Eden to the end of Revelation. Yeah. He's reduced them to nothing. But the truth is, he's already reduced to nothing for you. Weapons of our warfare. Satan's end verdict is so critical for us to know where he's headed, where he's going, what's to become of him. He knows his end verdict. We must know his end verdict and we must act like we know it. That's what happened in heaven, y'all. Now I got revelation for you. So, Pastor, when did this occur? Because it didn't just happen last night. This is really important. Get this revelation. Satan was kicked out of heaven before creation. Mm, 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 mm. Get ready, get ready. When God kicks Satan out of heaven, understand this principle, this is so critical. Satan went to a formless, voidless earth. He was cast into the outer darkness that God formed the world out of. You got kicked out of heaven. That's why I tell people all the time, he didn't form the world from nothing. The world was without form and void. <laughs> it was just, uh, remember the spirit moving on the face of the deep? The face, well, what deep? So where was Satan put out in darkness all this time? Because at what point did he get in the garden? He had to be here to get in the garden. And he got in the garden with his bad heart that he had in heaven. Because everything God had made was good. Oh, Jesus. But he got in heaven with his bad, prideful heart because that's where his judgment was for that time and season. That's why God told Adam and Eve, you don't mess with this tree of knowledge of good and evil because of prophetic foresight. I know there's an enemy already here. And you got to know there's an enemy already here and only obey and do what God told you to do. If he told you only eat from that tree, don't mess with that tree. If he told you stick with one woman, don't mess with that woman because that's the entryway. If he told you don't watch the conjuring, I hate to get so simplified, don't watch the conjuring. He was already here. Now, to be able to possess the snake, the snake was formed with all the creatures and all that kind of good stuff. But angels are what? Spirits. The spirit got kicked out, and then by authorization, he was able to possess the snake and tempted Adam and Eve. So where is Satan today? Come on, you know about her going to and fro. Where? In heaven? Huh. In the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Can he devour you? 
Absolutely not. Now, God is so amazing. I love what Tony Evans says. This is so good. God decided to destroy uh, Satan with the lesser. <laughs> you see, he's made man a little lower than the angels. So he's decided to empower us to destroy Satan as the lesser. God said, I'm so big and I'm so bad. I'm going to show you that man himself. Come on, Job. This man is not going to curse me and die. And is there anybody in here that is just convinced? I don't mean to be so deep tonight, but you're so convinced that no matter what the enemy throws at you in this warfare, you will not curse God and die. You will not lay it to his charge. You will stay clear minded. You will know that in the name of Jesus, you have the victory. Hallelujah, somebody. You already got it. You've already won. Amen. Amen. See, that's not for my Sunday morning crowd. <laughs> it's for you to understand. That's the theology behind it, y'all. He was thrown in the outer darkness. Well, here's the good news. Go to Colossians 1.13. Come on. Let's get in it. Anybody still with me? Yeah. Amen. Colossians 1.13. So what does that mean for us? If he's thrown in the outer darkness, and, and I was going to call this message tonight overcoming darkness, then God said, no, keep it simple. Weapons of warfare. Just deal with weapons of warfare. Well, you need to understand then, uh, Colossians 1.13, that he, capital H, he, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and did what? Translated or conveyed us into the kingdom of the son, his dear son. Like the way King James says it. He's translated us from the kingdom of darkness. When you got born again, you got translated. Mm -hmm. you're no longer under the regime of, of the enemy. Now, a whole lot of people lose because they don't know their rights. They don't know how to fight. You can, you can have all the muscle in the world, but if you don't know how to use it. You know, you can have a gun, and if you don't know how to fire one, you can hurt yourself. <laughs> you don't know how to take the safety off, there you go point it at yourself, wondering how this thing works. <laughs> Wrong move. Point it away from yourself. You know? Yeah. You can have all the power. You can have all the authority. But if you don't know how to walk in your authority, Satan will, oh, oh, okay, Melvin likes this. He will eat your lunch and pop the bag. He's a bully. I said he'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. He will give you all you can handle. He'll hit you with the kitchen sink, and he will just enjoy himself doing it because that's who he is by nature. He's mean. He's harsh. But so what? Anybody ever got to that point? Like I got delivered from that a long time ago. That's why I can preach so strong and hard. Y'all, I don't care what people think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that guy over there who's got to worry about his church board voting him out. I don't have a problem. I care less. I, it doesn't bother me. A hill of a beans bit. You know, if I preach against something that somebody doesn't want me to preach against, well, they just, you know, that's what car keys are for. <laughs> and exit signs. Right. Are you in here, church? Now, I don't say that in a mean way. How many of y'all know we want everybody to stay? Amen. But I'm not going to stop preaching against abortion because, you know, as our birth rate declines, Amen. you think I'm going to stop preaching against that? Care less. Are you in here, church? Yeah. I'm not going to stop preaching against perversion. That's 
I'm not going to start preaching against adultery. I'm not going to start preaching against all of the things in Galatians chapter 5, those immoral things that people deal with in the flesh. I am going to preach against it the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to love it. And the folk who join me, there'll be people who enjoy it. And they'll be blessed. And watch this. Go to the other side. I'm not going to preach against prosperity. You can. But to me, that's one of the dumbest things a pastor can do. Preach against prosperity. Then you come to church one day and only half the lights are on. Come on, somebody. That was dumb. No, you want people to prosper. I want you to be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. That's fundamental. Some things are just a good business decision. You ain't got to have a Holy Ghost for that. You preaching against money? Do you need any of it? Then raise the offering. Melissa, that may not make no sense, do it. Vanessa, what y'all think? I don't think that make a... a no, nah, that's why I like pastoring people like you guys. See, y'all just good common spiritual sense folk. Just, you put two and two together. Come on, I love you for that. Amen. I'm not going to preach against sickness or stop preaching against sickness and disease. Do you want to be sick? I don't like being sick. So I'm not going to start making messages talking about how, you know, God was just teaching you something and all these kinds of things just to make people who won't increase their faith feel comfortable because that's really what that stuff is all about so you don't preach against or talk about it because it requires you then to release your faith you got to increase your faith and for the record even as a pastor uh, uh, uh philippians 1 and 7 can i meddle for a second y'all then we got to stay up in faith for that stuff to work because the people up underneath us, Philippians 1 and 7, they're partakers of our grace. So if you start pastoring a group of losers, come on, somebody. How many people in here are winners? Somebody shout, I'm a winner. Amen. You sure are a winner. I know that's right. Hallelujah. Now let me take my tone of my voice down. Stop talking high like that. Amen. That's when you get an attitude, you start telling, what are you talking about me, telling Take my voice down some. You don't need to be talking like that, Gabe. Calm down a little bit. Amen. So what are your weapons? Anybody enjoying yourself? Can I give you three quick points? What are the most important? These aren't the only ones. Maybe I'll do a part two on this if the Lord lets me. But what are the most important weapons of warfare? You ready for this? The most important weapon of warfare is love. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? Love. Why? First John 4 and 8, God is love. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. So if the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God or in God, we need the nature of God for them to work. God is love. Your number one, you want to make sure that a witch can't take you out or a sorcerer? You walk in love. Love, love, love. They start to persecuting you, you stay in love. Amen. They start to cursing you and all kinds of things, and I don't mean cuss, I'm talking about cursing you, speaking things over you. You do what? You stay in love. Amen. Go to James 3.16. Anybody being blessed? Amen. Hallelujah, James 3.16. This is so good. So good, so good, so good. For where there is what, church? 
Never get tired of this. Where there is envy and strife, there is what? Confusion and how many evil works? If every evil work includes sickness, disease, poverty, hardship, uh, marital strife and divorce, you name it. The truth is the only way it can get in spiritual warfare is if you get out of your love walk. You got to get in strife for the enemy's weapons to work. And there is a such thing, I believe it's Ephesians 3, 26, somewhere through 26 through 28. Just write it down, meditate it later. There's a such thing as getting angry and sinning now. Just because you're angry doesn't mean you're in strife. You just can't go to the extent of sin. You be mad about something, but you can't sin. All right, married couples, y'all going to help me teach this tonight. You ever been on the border of argument and the Holy Ghost says stop? Come on. He's like, that's enough. Stop. You was right there at it. And both of y'all heard him say it at the same time. Stop. You know, he kind of says it like that. Stop. You know, he doesn't throw a siren or anything, but just something in your inward man. Now, it's not the audible voice of God, but your inward man says, mm-mm, mm-mm. Say nothing else. Mm-mm. That's it. <laughs> man. But you say that one more just, and that's when all of the, and your mama, and your dad, and your cousins. Now, mom, I've never said anything about you for the record. I just want to clarify that. I was doing that as an example for people. Come on, somebody. But it all starts coming out. Amen. That's true. I, I hadn't. Yeah. Have I, dear? Never. Never. Yeah. I need to clear that up because I could throw some stuff off. We were sitting watching a game, and my mother-in-law just not comfortable worried about what I might have said about her one day. No. No. But, yeah, that's when you start, you know, as, as the world says, that's when the left and rights come out. You know, now it's, oh, we there now, honey. We going. You got in strife. You were angry. Now, anger was okay. Anger was just mean retreat. And as long as you retreat, it won't go there. Let everybody calm down, and in an hour, you'll be tickling each other. Right? But that one more thing, one more thing. Amen. Oh, man, we just got through laughing. I want you to laugh. But watch this, y'all. It's people six feet under today because of one more thing. One more comment. One more. They had to, you know. And then the enemy infiltrated. They made an irrational decision. They're not a murderer by definition, but they murdered that night. Six feet under and in jail for life because of a bad momentary decision. I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Is that all right, church? Somebody say, stay out of strife. Love is so powerful because the enemy needs you to get in strife to hinder you. He needs you in strife. That they, they don't give you the job. You know what you do? You write them a thank you letter. Thank you for interviewing me. I appreciate the time. Should the opportunity come in the future, I would still be interested. Thank you so kindly. You don't walk out. I ain't need y'all anyway. What's your dumb position? Pimping and going on. No. You know? I need to work at this crazy company anyway. No, you don't do that. You come out in no strife. Amen. You stay in love. 
Amen. And then if your colleague get promoted and you got to work under them, girl, you know good and well I ain't following you now. We've been on the same team. You may as well come on around with that. No, you follow her. Is that not good? Because then you go getting in strife, and they was getting ready to give you a position in a totally different department. But you got in your emotions. Emotions forfeit games. Woo, that's good. I said emotions forfeit games. There are people who miss, and you've seen it in the last five years, and, and, and both the, the, the NFL and NBAs, we've seen these things happen, where key players uh, uh, gave up their opportunity to play in games, and it cost their team the championship. <clears throat> cost them the championship. That year when LeBron James and them beat Golden State, y'all, if that young man, come on, had kept his cool, yeah, Draymond, whatever his name. Oh, my gosh. Don't you know they had the squad? Are y'all in here? We've seen it in all kinds of professional sports. It forfeits championship. Now, you don't work hard some 60, 70, 80 games to get to this moment, and you're getting in your emotions. And it only just hurt you. It hurts the whole team. Now your family going through. Come on, somebody, because you got in strife. All this is good stuff. Family going through because a husband made a bad decision. Got over in the strike. Amen. All right. I hope I'm blessing you tonight. All right. So what's the number one weapon of warfare? Love. Now, these run neck and neck. You could call this number one, too, but it's, it's number two in your points tonight. The second powerful weapon of warfare is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. We're going to keep it simple tonight. I'm going to give you the three most powerful weapons of warfare, and let me say it this way. They're all of equal power. You have to use them all. We'll get into the other weapons if the Lord allows me on another night maybe, but these are the most important ones. Number one, everybody say love. love. Number two, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You read it in Luke 10, 17. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Luke 10, 17. Demons are subject to us in what? Your name. So if I walk in love, then number two, use the name of Jesus appropriately. Appropriately to take authority. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know I'm going to get the victory? Amen. I'm going to get the victory. I was working on something not long ago, and I was just reminding people that we got to go back to, we got away from this in churches I never did, but many churches did. We got to go back to not being ashamed of the name. Amen. That's why I've been having the praise team. You all didn't know it, but I asked them to, to learn that song Sunday, uh, 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 In the Name of Jesus, Driving Back the Darkness. Yeah, in Jesus' Name is actually the name of the song. So I asked them a couple of months ago, I said, you all learn this song because we're going to go into a season at the ministry to where every Sunday we're going to sing something specifically pertaining to his name and his power. Whether it's in praise and worship or I get up and we're going to sing his name is higher than any other. His name is Jesus. His name is Lord. We got to. You, you can't take him off the throne, so don't hear this the wrong way. But we need to, in our life, put him back on the throne. Go back to using that name. Don't you get ecumenical. Redacting the name. Are you in here, church? I said, don't you get ecumenical. Redacting the name. Amen. His name goes with us everywhere we go. 
or we don't go. If his name can't go, now you use wisdom with that, of course. How many of y'all know when you're going over the accountant report at work, it's just not time for his name? <laughs> in the name of Jesus, we had a good profit and loss this quarter. In Jesus' name, we believe in God for a greater balance sheet the next quarter. No, you, you don't do that in Babylon. You just go over the balance sheet. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what's wrong with church people sometimes. We just can't switch. And we don't know how to do it in certain places and what to do and how to go somewhere else and pray and then come back out and put your game face on. Amen. That's a weapon of warfare. Composure. That's a weapon of warfare. They say never let the devil see you sweat. He is a flesh devil, is he not? Yeah. The name of Jesus is so quiet in society. Don't you be one of the ones to participate. All right, I'm going to pick up speed. I'm down to 10 minutes. Number one, love. Number two, the name of Jesus. Now, you're going to see a theme in this. If you, if you got wisdom, you'll catch it. Number three, insight into the enemy's camp. That is one of the most powerful weapons of warfare. Now, if, you, if you're catching on to this, you'll see what I just gave you, but I'll tell you in a minute if you didn't catch it. Insight into the enemy's camp. Everybody say inside information. Go to John 16, 13. Come on, we're almost home. <clears throat> love. The name of Jesus, insight into enemy's camp. Now, remember those three points now, because it's going to bless you. It's going to bless you. But watch this. Watch this. John 16, 13, and I'm going to close. When the spirit of truth comes, what's he going to do? He is going to guide you into how many truths? He'll tell you what's going on. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to give you inside information. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears. He will speak and will tell you things to come. <gasps> That's spiritual warfare right there, knowing the enemy's playbook. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, knowing what they're going to do next. Anybody seen, what's that movie, Battleship? It was a good movie back, yeah, kind of neat. And uh, the guy figured out a, a, a strategy of war, Talisha. And uh, in the movie, I, I enjoyed it so much, uh, I'll probably watch it again this weekend. I enjoyed that movie. Uh, but they were fighting some alien ships, and um, the ships kept jumping. And y'all, some of y'all remember Battleship we used to play when we actually played games that had meaning and not the ones that needed ratings like mature and, you know, and all kinds of mess like Grand Theft Auto. But when we used to play just good board games, you know, Monopoly and stuff like that. Well, you know, you play Battleship and you couldn't see your guys, other guy's board and he can't see yours. But you make moves and you try to sink his ship. Well, in this movie, the aliens would keep moving. So the Americans, and, and, and they couldn't fire their missile and hit them because they didn't know where they were going to be next. But when this guy figured out the strategy of war and figured out their pattern, they were able to shoot where the devil was going to be. See, when you, when you get so prudent in the Holy Ghost, how many of y'all know some things you'll never go through because you'll knock them off before he can ever make manifest what he was going to do? Amen. You're ahead. You're ahead. No, he can't give you cancer. You was ahead of him. You knew a long time that by his stripes, 
you were healed. So what's God's best? Never being sick. Healing is awesome. Get it. And we're going to continue to pray for people who need to get healed. I have needed to get healed before. Don't misinterpret that. But you'll be so loaded with the word, even when the enemy was going to try stuff. Some things, they just couldn't even get to you. Use a hand. You know? You start suspecting that your son is, is, is not up to par. He ain't moving as fast and all that kind of good stuff. All right. Get the spirit of truth. What's the point? The Holy Ghost. What did I just give you in the three points? I gave you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If you master those three men, you don't need anything else. <laughs> did anybody get it? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Love, power, and insight. I'll win every time. You can't beat me. Because I got love, I got power, and I got insight. I'm going to preach a message to you real soon called Inside Information. You can understand that Elijah saw what was going on in the bedroom chamber of his enemies. The king had already told Daniel that he was coming out of the lion's den. You got to read your Bible strategically and understand what it's really saying. He said, I realize you're really going to come out of this after all. Inside Information. I already know what's going to happen. I already know where I'm headed. Come on. Thanks be unto God who always, y'all, if, if thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph is a true scripture, somebody say, and it is, then what am I doing being concerned about not triumphing? Because he told me I always. So what's the only thing I need to do is understand the next verse, which is, and this is the victory that overcomes this world, even our faith. I'm closing what is the victory that overcomes this world? Even our faith. <laughs> Amen. And we got to walk in that. Those are, I mean, I'll get into the other weapons. I told you there are angels, you know. Maybe the Lord will let me teach on that principle one night, you know. There are other weapons, weaponry in your arsenal, you know. In fact, a part of the Holy Ghost is that you pray in the Holy Ghost. That is a weapon. All right. I told you tonight about staying out of strife. That's a weapon. But all of this still links back to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's it. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. I hate to be so basic tonight, but then again, I don't. You just need to start saying, I got God. I got God. What, what do you have to, to solve this problem? God. <laughs> I got God. You know, I got God. It just, just, you know, years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago, Pastor Rondi wrote a song called, I Got God Living in Me. That's, that's about right. Amen. I got God. Where is he? Living in me. <laughs> so, should you fret over anything? Is that right, Rachel? Should we be concerned about anything. No, because I got God. And if I got God, I got Jesus. And if I got Jesus, I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. I got all three and I just, I'm just going to just, you know, the, the, the last time I was dealing with something that I had to work through or something like that, I'm going to tell you what I did. I called a prayer meeting with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I did. 
I'm serious. I did. I said out loud, I said, Dad, with your, your, your permission, in the name of Jesus, can I call in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Can we have a brief meeting? And I quarantined this meeting by the blood of Jesus from every demon. They can't hear this conversation. And I talked to my father. And in my visualization, I did not see this in the spirit. I'm not trying to spook anybody out. And then I don't make stuff up. So in my imagination, I just imagine all three of them spending time with me. And minimally speaking, the Holy Ghost, because he's down here. Now we know God the Father is where? In heaven. He doesn't have to come to earth. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. So is Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father, actually speaking. But in my imagination, I just had a faith moment. And I said, well, you know, why don't we all stand around the bed and just really put our heads together on this thing? And I just received the love of God. And what I needed from him came. I got the victory. It happened, y'all. It happened. We got the victory. So you ask him, Dad, Dad, can we have a conversation? He'll talk to you. Who's he going to talk to you through? The Holy Ghost. That's spiritual warfare, y'all. And then when the Spirit gives you wisdom on what's going on, like the Spirit of God says something like, yeah, it's a spirit of fear attacking your son. Okay, that was the Holy Ghost doing his job. So now I'm going to engage in battle. I'm going to pull on the name of Jesus, and I'm going to take authority, and uh, God the Father is going to give me victory. Is that all right? Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mighty in God. I'm closing to the pulling down a stronghold. I just want to download faith in you right now that you leave Bible study tonight so full of victory, so full of insight, so full of knowledge. We're getting ready to pray right now. Some of you in this room that are up against something <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit of God would give you wisdom right now. We call a meeting with the Holy Spirit. And that's not something I heard somebody else teach. That's just my own method of, of communing with him sometimes. Holy Ghost, can, can we talk? How many of you know he'll commune with you? You call that me with the Holy Ghost and, and you say, Father God, I need wisdom. James 1 and 5. If I lack wisdom, you told me I could ask it of you. So, Father, what's, what's going on? Can you give me some insight so I know which direction to pray in? He'll do it. He'll give you insight. Then you pull on the name of Jesus. Before you even stand, let's pray right now. I feel led to do it that way. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for wisdom tonight. Some of your kids sitting in this room are up against some things that they need war strategy on. They need to know where to fire their next missile. They don't need to know the name of the condition because that doesn't matter. We don't have to call it by name. We can just bind it up if they're battling sickness. But some people tonight, God, need insight on some things that may be going on that you're doing pertaining to their career, pertaining to other areas of their life. And I pray for them and with them tonight that a spirit of wisdom, insight, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, we begin to speak to them now. Give them feedback. You need to do more of this, do more of that. Yep, you're going to close the year out strong by doing this or that. God, speak to their heart. My prayer is that you give them an unction tonight. You may not speak in an audible voice. We're not necessarily even asking for that unless that's what you want to do. I'm just asking you, God, to provide that direction that people need. We know that that's spiritual warfare and that they will overcome in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, I want you to lift your hands right where you are. 
and just say out loud, I believe I receive the wisdom of God. I believe I receive direction. I already have authority. And tonight, I make the quality decision to walk in my authority. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we all stand tonight, what a rich.